Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Crucial Conversation. I am here today, not with Don, but I'm joined by co-host, Zach Shuttler. How's it going today, Zach? Hey, you doing, Jamal? Things are going, um, so to speak, well. Um, lots of changes, lots of challenges in 2020, but um, sometimes you just try to see those obstacles as opportunities um, because we've definitely faced some obstacles. Absolutely. So just full disclosure, Don is on vacation and um, we are recording a little bit more than what we normally record and we want to keep the momentum going. So we, uh, we're going to have some co-hosts on and, and, and Zach is well qualified. Um, he spent some time as a superintendent and now he's a principal and we're going to be talking today about the starting and stopping of schools and some ways to maybe respond and uh, what does this mean for our students today? So Zach, I'll go ahead and let you kick us off today with some opening thoughts. Yeah, I think it's very difficult when uh, you have this stopping and starting approach. When we ask people to really perform at their optimal level, uncertainty can really be a hurdle for people um, to really get that momentum going and really produce their best work. And I'm not just talking about the staff um, because ideally, in theory, um, we as adults with you know college degrees and education should be able to overcome some of these things but then to ask the students to be able to overcome these things to where you know their games are being canceled their athletic events their extracurriculars to where um, even with contact tracing with the COVID-19 pandemic students are being pulled out of school right in the middle of the day because we get notified from the health department they may have had a a close contact at a soccer match so these levels of uncertainty are really unprecedented for this time. So as a leader, I think we need to take an honest look at what are we doing to support our staff? Because if we don't support our staff during this time of uncertainty, uh, that trickle down effect is gonna be huge on our students and they need our support more than ever right now. Right, so, so let's, maybe, let's maybe look at, look at ways to support staff during this time because you talked about the trickle down effect and I'm a firm believer um, in the realm of administration, if you don't feed the teachers, they'll eat the students. <laughs> so, so um, just just really thinking about just my experiences this school year. I know ac across our district and in a lot of places in the nation, teachers are really in survival survival mode. Um, we're dealing with you know as educators, we're dealing with our own personal problems. Our family members are dying. Um, our, our health is, is being impacted and some educators are dying. So what are some ways um, we can support our teachers so they, so they can support our students? What do we do, Zach? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're asking so much out of our teachers, um, things that we've never asked out of our teachers before. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we understand that. I mean, I walk through the hallways and we have teachers spraying and cleaning desks. I mean, that would have never taken place before this year. And they're doing it professionally. We're asking teachers to prepare, prepare online lessons as well as in-person lessons, um, essentially doubling their workload. So if you don't really take time to see what they need, uh, you're really building a house of cards that's going to collapse under its own weight. So when we look at our school district right now, we're in Southeast Ohio. We're about an hour from Pittsburgh, about two hours from Columbus in Ohio. Um, we have a, a explosion of cases right now, of COVID cases. So um, we just found out today that we're going to be remote through Thanksgiving. So the old school mentality would be that you bring the teachers in and make them work in the office eight hours each day. 
we're really working with our superintendent and he's a very forward thinking gentleman to, to find ways to ask for the teacher's input and to send emails out to them and surveys out to them and say, hey, what do you need during this time? What is the best way for you to work right now? Because they're under a lot of stress. And when you see your colleagues being quarantined, when you see your mm -hmm. colleagues coming down with, with this illness, uh, morale can dip very low. And if morale dips very low with, with, your, with, your, with your staff, um, it's, a, it's a bad recipe for what's going to happen with the students. So I think you really need to open up your heart, open up your ears, and just listen and see what they need and try to create the best environment possible for them in these circumstances. Right, so what do we do given the pressure from our governors across the nation, basically saying that you still have to move the needle forward educationally and we're not holding you harmless for poor school grades. We still want our students to perform at a normal a normal level if not a higher level this year so how do how do we respond to to that dynamic in relation to our teachers yeah um right now in the state of ohio they're still talking as if the the state test is going to go forward and i always am a big believer in process over product that if mm -hmm. you get the process right, the product is going to produce itself. Mm -hmm. uh, during these times, it's very difficult to get the process right because it's a process that we've never, never done before. Um, in the state of Ohio, I think it's really concerning. We have not heard much from the Department of Education. We've not mm -hmm. heard much from our state superintendent. Um, our local governor, I know he's trying to do the best job that he can, mm -hmm. um, but there really hasn't been a whole lot of support for schools. The message that we get is, we trust you to make your local decisions which that would be great, but they don't trust us to make our local decisions when it comes to evaluating our staff with the forms that we think are necessary. They don't trust us to make the local decisions when it comes to doing what's best for our students in preparing them for life after high school. But they wanna trust us with the decision of what the best thing to do is during the pandemic. So a lot of this has been on us um, as mm -hmm. educators, trying to make the best decisions that we can uh, for, for our students. So as far as what is best for the students, we need to do what is what is best as far as what we think that process should be and right now i think the process is really catering to to their hearts and their needs and being there for them being a proverbial shoulder for them to lean on when you know their basketball season they've looked forward to um for years their senior year gets canceled or delayed um, when they have to go on 14 days of quarantining, when they were looking forward to being in the classroom, mm. um, when they don't have meals to eat, or when mom and dad lose their job because of this pandemic. Yeah. To me, the process that's important right now is that relationship piece, because if that doesn't exist, what is there going forward? Um, you, have to, you have to care for the whole person, not just the content standards. And right now, in my opinion, the content standards are second. Caring for the individuals is... is number one right now yeah um you, you, i think i think you just really touched on my next question which which really is to like what are the most important levers that are going to move people forward i know this is a question that like i've been trying to conceptualize in my mind and this is a question that really you should ask each year at the beginning of school year with 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 your staff but it's it's more prevalent this year i think that there are three things that um each school should do but the thing about those three things are it's it's very specific to where you are in the country and your school 
um, and narrowing those things down, I believe, uh, collaboratively with, with your staff and, and your community and focusing on those things. But one of which should definitely be the human capacity. I, I like, like, I love what you said about just focusing on, on those student needs and those teachers, those teacher needs is, is really going to um, carry us, carry us through. So, so transitioning now to um, our teachers, I mean, our, our, our students, what's, what's, what's the big nugget um, for them outside of uh, just, just their emotional needs? How, how, how do we continue to move the educational need, needle forward if we are expected to do so during this pandemic? What's the process behind that? What are your thoughts? Well, I saw, I saw a tweet from you today, Jamal, where you talked about, um, you know, your online lessons, your Zoom lessons, they have to be engaging. Mm-hmm. And it's not just spitting out material. It's not just crossword puzzles and worksheets. If it is, then shame on you. And mm-hmm. I think what we see during this pandemic, we see a lot of things get magnified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's, what's the saying that, you know, money doesn't necessarily make somebody a bad person. It just allows them to be more of what they are. So yep. if you're a good person, money is going to be able to uh, allow you to do more things. If you're not a good person, money will be allowing you to do more bad things. Right. I think what pandemic what we've seen is the teachers that make connections mm-hmm. teachers that um, go above and beyond they go above and beyond when it comes to this online learning now is the is the instruction as quality as it would be in the classroom maybe not um, but we still see them doing good work teachers that have failed to establish connections in the classroom they also fail to establish connections and relevancy um, when it's online and I, I think we've seen it just magnify more when it comes to the online instruction. And to me, um, that's why being back in school, um, August, September, October mm-hmm. was so huge because you can't really build that connection with students um, online. You have to really begin that process in the classroom. And if you didn't use these first two and a half months to make that happen, it's gonna be very difficult to make it happen now. Um, if you didn't take the time to, to establish a sense of belonging, Mm-hmm. to establish shared vulnerabilities, to establish a shared purpose during those first two and a half months. It's not going to happen now. And that same, um, same thing goes true uh, with me. Um, yeah. Great book called The Culture Code by Daniel uh-huh. Coyle. Establishing belonging, sharing vulnerabilities, sharing a purpose. Um, those things had to happen in August, September, and October. Mm-hmm. If they didn't happen during those first two and a half months, it's going to be a challenge for you right now to make that happen. You know what, you know, the the thing that ran through my mind the the whole time, and, and I'm one of these weird people, I come up with titles for and themes for things before I actually put context to them. And the thing that ran through my mind was a world-class e-learning experience. I I think we've, just across the nation, I think we have approached the e-learning as a, as uh, a means to a specific end and also a, a end within itself like like it's going to go away i don't believe that e-learning is going to go away or it should go away and i think our approach has been let's just get through uh the the last quarter of last year and e-learning will we'll be back to normal in august and then it became well let's just get through right Let's yeah, this is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, right now yeah. I'm working on my doctorate at the University of Finley in Ohio, mm-hmm. and it's online instruction. And I've established good connections with my professors, um, with my dissertation chair, um, who unfortunately passed away recently, which has been mm-hmm. tough. But that just goes to show you that 
it's been tough because I established a connection with that gentleman yep. and he helped guide me through um, the initial phases of my dissertation. So if it can happen at the, at the graduate level, it can happen, you know, at the secondary level um, and it's not going away. And we are doing a disservice for our students if we don't teach them how to, um, how to navigate online learning because whether they go to a community college, whether they go to a four-year college, um, whether they get a, a, a job right out of high school in, in, a, in a skilled trade, there's gonna be some type of online component, even if yep. it is just training. So if we just ignore this, yep. to me, it's just, that's just insanity. This is a major, we talk about obstacles being an opportunity and obstacles yep. being the way and you know, the impediment to, to action, inaction advances action. And this is an opportunity to really do some good things and really diversify um, what's in your tool belt. Um, the bottom line is this pandemic will eventually end. Will it end this year? Will it end next year? I don't know if anybody knows. But the bottom line is this is a test. And are you going to come out of this more prepared or less prepared going forward? And right. um, I'd like to think I'd like to think that you know we at Union Local are going to come out of this more prepared. Right. And and I also and like just just like I was alluding to, like you like you said, like what an opportunity. I was I was I was thinking today, like how how awesome is it going to be if we just focus in and master the art of facilitating facilitating online learning? You think about think about the students that could come to your school based on school choice. Um, if, if every, you know, state has, you know, school choice and just different forms of it. Why can't I go to a school in Ohio if I live in Tampa? If there if there's a program that that meets my need um, and I can connect online and, and and I can I can really have a teacher from a school and and walk um, with with my with my peers at that school and participate in those things um, and and still have and still have an experience that is not necessarily traditional but i can still connect with people um through through the medium of being online and, and and touching campus for those social events i i really think that we we may be missing a golden opportunity because of our approach i know right now <laughs> i know a lot of us are looking forward to the next semester because i know a lot of us believe that we're going to just return to to normal we're, and and it's not the case. I think we're gonna we're die not. of a broken heart. <laughs> um, just, just so, and go ahead. If if you just look through history, um, I'm sure when the automobile came around, there were there were people still fighting to keep you know horses and buggies relevant. <laughs> well, you know the car won, and the people that jumped on you know innovation with 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 cars and all the industries they created. Yeah, um, they won out. Um, when we look at what happened with the advent of email, um, mm -hmm. you know, the postal service took a beating. Um, so, yep. you know, when we look at, you know, the music industry, Simon Sinek talks about these things all the time. You know, the music industry should have been in the best position to, to really move forward with something like iTunes. And they didn't, um, Blockbuster should have been able to move forward, um, with, um, with Netflix, but they didn't because late fees were a big profit generator for them. Mm -hmm. I, I have a fee. I don't have a fear for myself. I don't have a fear for you because I think we're dynamic enough to where we could figure out um, how to make a place for ourselves in education, mm -hmm. regardless of how it goes. But I feel like education as a whole is just digging their heels in 
and just digging their closet and saying, hey, this is the way that we always did it. This is the way education is supposed oh, to be. Wow. And, and what's going to happen? And I don't know how it's going to happen. Somebody's going to figure out a way because it always comes down to dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure out a way to privatize education. They're going to find a way to make this model work. And if public education, which I think does a tremendous amount of good for students that you know, might not have a ton of opportunities in certain parts mm-hmm. of our country, they could be left holding the bag. And I think that would be really unfortunate because just like Blockbuster, just like the music industry, we teachers, we principals, we administrators, we're in the mm-hmm. best position to move things forward. So why, why do we want to hold on to something that's changing? This is true. And I, I'm convinced now that this is the perfect time for, or the perfect time to have the support of the community for something like this. I think if you, and maybe five years ago, if you were told parents uh, as part of their school supply list to get their child a laptop, um, those who could afford it anyway, uh, th- they would have thought that you were crazy. Why in the world does my child need a laptop to participate in school activities? But we still, during this time, we don't have the adequate technology to um, facilitate just learning in person, let alone e-learning. I think now is the time to, like you said, start exploring all of the avenues to really yeah. to, to really own this thing. Because like even after this, you think about, like I'm, I'm thinking about the dollars and cents, like, you know, this year more than any other year, um, school attendance or school enrollment for public schools has been a, a, a point of concern. Um, with with people going homeschool and people going to you know your, your virtual schools with within the states like I know uh, in the state of Florida, Florida virtual um, has has seen an increase in student in student enrollment, which means that there is a de- decrease in your brick and mortar schools. Why not take take the opportunity to increase that enrollment? Um, I would love to have students if if. If I'm the superintendent of, of a school district, I, I'm, I'm looking for students to come from and, all over. And not to, just the student piece. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the teacher piece, I mean, I, I think yeah. teachers, I mean, we have a lot of benefits. I've never been one that has not looked at my schedule and being home at the holidays with my, my children and, you know, being um, on vacation sure. sometimes in the summer with my kids. I've always appreciated that. But mm-hmm. as, as teaching, um, teachers become in short supply. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great math teacher um, that can do some distance learning. Why not? Um, yep. we, we can give our teachers some flexibility and, and do periods of online instruction, not mm-hmm. all the time, but mix it in throughout the year. And we can give them that flexibility to make the teaching field even more enticing. Mm-hmm. Then why not? Because sometimes we're not able to do it on the salary end. But if you can do it with some of those fringe benefits, like a flexible work schedule, like yep. every once in a while, yeah. why not do that? Um, why not make that profession more enticing? Because we need, we need the best people. When I yeah. say the best, I think we need the most caring, yeah. loving, empathetic, wow. um, optimistic people in this profession. And right now, some of the things that we've put in place, some of the strong arm measures mm-hmm. with accountability and evaluations, we're not getting those people as much as we used to. So let's, let's, let's create more. Let's make teaching more enticing. Let's make it more professional. Let's Let's do what we need to do to make this a profession people want to come to. Yeah, I, I don't think I could have said it any better. That that teaching piece is is extremely important, especially now. 
all of there are so many possibilities within our current situation yes do yes we have to move the needle forward um with with education based on the expectations of our state but like i i encourage everyone who listens to this tonight to listen to the words of jack and also consider um the people that you are you are called to lead that's that's one of my my biggest things um but consider consider their needs and and look around and and now is the time to be as innovative as you possibly can my biggest fear this year is to miss what it is that I'm supposed to learn in this season of life because whatever it is that we are supposed to learn is going to prepare us for the next level. Zach, you have any closing thoughts? I, I think what you just said just resonated with me. And I, I read a quote right before I came online with you. It said, no pressure, just presence. And it, was, it was in reference to, to a sport, baseball. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a slump, when you're in a tough spot, no pressure, just presence. Be in the moment. Keep your ears open. Listen. Just focus on what you have to do. And um, I love the John Gordon quote. And in this situation, it's very easy to say, I have to do this. I have to do this. Right now, um, yourself and me um, in, in a leadership role with a team around us, he says, just change that have to to get to. Mm -hmm. I get to lead a school building. I get to lead people during a pandemic. Um, if not me, who? And we need those things to inspire us. Um, you know, inspiration's, inspiration's um, difficult. It's a lot like exercise. You can't exercise two or three times and say you're in shape. You'll very quickly get out of shape. Um, you can't say, I'm gonna read an inspirational book or I'm gonna talk to somebody who's gonna inspire me and be done. Um, you and I have these conversations at least once or twice a week. Um, you have to keep them up and right. it's gonna be, we get to do these things, not we have to do these things. Well, I couldn't have said it any better. We're going to wrap it up right there. Um, we'll appreciate you uh, co-hosting with us to, tonight, Zach. And as always, this is Jamal Crook for Zach Shuttler reminding you that opportunities are everywhere. Thank you. Have a nice night.